This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Robin Shawokas from the Leather Elves and Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. This week's topic is screaming for attention, not just the topic, but the birds. Why is it happening? What can you do about it? How do you deal with something like this? We'll be right back after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. One of the things we'd like to talk about today is that screaming can have a number of causes. It's not just, I'm screaming for attention. That's what we're going to focus on, but we'd like to talk about some of the other um, causes first so that we can kind of put them aside for now and really focus on the screaming for attention. Sometimes screaming occurs out of fear. You know, there may be something that's different for your bird that they're not used to that elicits that fear response, and it may be a scream. It may be something going by if they have a, a visual um, of outside a window. It may be something that they see out the window that's frightening to them. One of the things I know for um, our bird, Nikki, is when the crows come to visit. They perch out in a tree that's pretty close to the window, and Nikki can absolutely see them, and he does scream, and it's not for attention it's just you know he's afraid of those big birds that are outside well we also see birds scream uh out in the wild in the morning and the evening a lot of times not not every bird does it you know i don't want everyone to think that oh it's they're always going to scream in the morning at night but there are a lot of species that tend to do that right and i think that we we recommended in one of our earlier um podcast, uh, The Parrots of the World um, by Joseph Forshaw, and he does deal with those kind of bits of information, that there are some parrots that will exhibit this screaming behavior 
first thing in the morning and it's ritualistic almost but you know that's something that does occur and it's part of their natural history and part of the thing that they're hardwired for and another time they they will scream as in the evening as they're going to roost and so those are some times when you may see some screaming and it's not necessarily trying to get your attention yeah i have to admit i was very lucky um a number of years ago visiting australia i got to see white-tailed black cockatoos in the wild it was awesome and they were all coming to this sort of shallow lake to get a drink and to get a little bath before the night fell and as the sun started to go down oh my gosh it got so noisy and those birds were flying around looking for a place to roost and it was just tons and tons of noise coming from those birds and most definitely part of their their natural history Absolutely. And and I think, too, you can be aware of that. You know, there there's definitely a different sound um, to that scream for attention and that scream out of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can look for different patterns and different levels of screaming. You know, does, does the, the decibel level go way up? At that point, you're, you need to be aware of what's causing this scream. Are they looking for my attention or is it, you know, something that I'm not in control of? I, I know a good example that both of you and I have experienced because we do a lot of workshops around the world and often there are parrots at these seminars. And when we're lecturing and maybe it's just one person talking and everyone's kind of sitting quietly, mm-hmm. the birds are nice and quiet and, and they're not really too too worked up. But boy, when we go to take a break and everybody starts moving and talking, all of a sudden the birds are starting to make some noise too. It may not necessarily be a scream, but they definitely get way more um, animated in their vocalizations when the the sort of the energy and the level of noise in the environment raises. Right, and, and I think that again speaks to natural history in that, you know, these animals are flock animals. And so in that room, that lecture hall, those people are creating their flock. And so, okay, the noise level has risen, everybody's chatting, everybody's talking. Okay, those birds need to be heard as well as part of that that flock scenario. Yeah, and speaking of that natural behavior, we talked a little bit about the screaming for attention, but in the wild, since these animals are usually not by themselves, they're either in a pair or in a flock situation, when they get separated, they also scream to find out where the other bird is, and Mm -hmm. usually the other one will respond or part of the group will respond to them. Right, and and you have to keep in mind that in the wild, it can be miles. It's not, you know, from one side of your 20 by 20 room to the other. You know, and so that that level of noise may be very different. And I know that, you know, hopefully most of our birds are not wild caught, so they haven't had to exhibit that. But again, it's something that they're, it's about who they are. And so they're used to, you know, in their their history, they, they need to communicate that great distance. So, you know, this now becomes their whole habitat. That room or your house becomes their habitat, and they need to communicate and all the way across that setting. And it bounces off the walls. Mm. (laughs) So one thing you can do, though, to help yourself maybe get a a better idea of why exactly your bird is screaming could be to do a little record keeping. Sure. And, you know, because we all have so much free time and, you know, all that, that, those trees that we're saving, using up all the paper. (laughs) But it it is important. You know, when you see those patterns start to develop and, and knowing what came before, you know, why is this bird screaming? Is it you know, we discuss some of the things that could cause that, that screaming behavior. And you'll see those patterns. And you should also keep a record on what you're doing and what your response is. It's so important because you need to be aware of your behavior and, and the way, the reaction that you get from your parrot. Yeah, I like to look at it as I'm going to describe in great detail everything that happens before the behavior occurred and everything that happens immediately after the behavior occurred because I can change those circumstances, the befores and the afters, to influence that behavior in the middle. 
Sure, you're eliciting a response. I'm going to, Barb, I'm going to share a zookeeper secret. So hopefully the zookeepers won't be upset with me. <laughs> um, but when you go to the zoo the next time, take your keys out when you're standing outside of a, an exhibit and jingle those keys. I can almost guarantee you that the animals will turn in your direction. And that's because some of their caregivers wear keys on a belt or, or in their pockets. And so they, they put the response of, oh, I'm going to get something for this when I hear that, that key sound. And so they've been trained, in essence, to respond to that. So now you're, they, you know that's what's eliciting that response. So now in your record keeping, know what you're doing in order to elicit the screaming response. I can give you a, a zoo example of mm -hmm. a parrot that screams due to a certain sound it hears ah. too in a zoo situation. One of the zoos where I, where I consult, um, there, this one little parrot, little sun conure, definitely loves people's attention and has learned that even when it hears the squeak of the wooden steps outside the door, he'll start screaming and then the door opens and then somebody walks in the room and reinforces that behavior. So this little guy has really cued in to a lot of little signals that lets him know somebody's coming and he's learned to you know, pair that scream with that and it gets reinforced all the time. You don't even have to be in the room. It's just the stairs outside, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so little things like that. And I think it's just being a, a conscientious pet owner, you know, knowing what you're you're doing and what your bird's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, definitely the most common scenario that we see out there with uh, screaming behavior is the screaming for attention thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's definitely a real frustration for people. Oh, absolutely. I, I um, have told Barbara the story before. When I first moved into my house, um, there was this noise and it was really loud and I had no idea what it was. I wasn't working with parrots, hadn't worked with parrots and um, became aware of this sound. And it honestly sounded like um, a child being hurt um, across the street. So I thought I would look into it a little bit more. And well, you know, I didn't know if I should call protective services or what I should do. And I realized, I went over and there's an older woman that lives across the street. And um, it was her son, Conyer that was making that noise. And she said, you know, it was looking for her attention. It was waiting for her to come and be with it. So it is that attention-seeking behavior. And sometimes it translates to your neighbors as well. Yeah, and I think we're giving Sun Conyers a bad rap here. It's we just got good. two examples there. Well, I have to say that... that even though, you know, conures have this reputation for making loud noises, we also know that there's other species too. Absolutely. Um, you know, maybe the, the, the squawk of a, you know, little budgie or a cockatiel whistling is not so annoying to you, but a big, a big loud squawk from a conure or a cockatoo might be a little bit more than you can handle. But the good news is, is that there are ways to address that behavior. It doesn't have to, have to remain a problem for the rest of your life or your bird's life. Um, but, and, but I did want to mention that we totally understand, and especially me from personal mm -hmm. experience, that that screaming for attention is really, really frustrating for people. And I know that little knot you get in your stomach when that bird is sort of, it feels like he's poking at you, you know, mm -hmm. come on, give me some attention, give me some attention. And, it, and it's different than another scream because it's so demanding in its nature. And that's, I think, what's really frustrating about it. Right. Absolutely. And it, and it can go on and on. If you don't address it, it becomes so repetitive and so it's annoying is really the word for it. And I think, you you know, you mentioned that a cockatiel, a little cockatiel noise or a budgie noise, but think about if that went on and on and on 
and it may be as loud as that cockatiel is going to get, may never reach that screaming level of the hyacinth macaw or the sun conure, <laughs> but it, it still can be, you know, their form of screaming. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, um, we're going to talk a little bit about some ways you can address that behavior problem. Great. Yay, because I'm sure people would like to know. So one of the challenges, as I mentioned with the little sun conure at the zoo, one of the really difficult challenges there is that so many people go in and out of that very door that's right by those squeaky steps and reinforce that behavior whenever they enter the room and that bird is screaming. And that's a real challenge because it means everybody who walks through that door is influencing that behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about the situation in your household, you have to make sure every person in your household is on board with your training strategy to address this problem or it's going to continue. If you've got one person that's still reinforcing screaming, that's going to help maintain that behavior and it might even maintain it even stronger because it only gets reinforced once in a while. Right, and it's true. You know, when you talk about everyone that comes in that door at the zoo is is reinforcing that son Conyers behavior. It's the same with, you know, when you walk by. Think about the the visual field of that animal and if it's in a cage, of that bird in a cage. Um, it's observing everything that's going on because that's that's part of the daily activity, watching you know everything that's happening. And so your behavior may be reinforcing and you don't even know it. You know, if, if when this bird screams and you turn, um, whether you respond verbally or not, it may even be just that turn, that visual attention that you're giving that bird. So you need to be so aware. And as Barbara said, everyone needs to be aware. Yeah, and they're such sensitive creatures. They pick up on those little tiny things. Right. Like you're saying, just a look might be enough to go, oh, it worked, I'm going to keep screaming, mm-hmm. and I'll get when, more attention. When I work with a facility and I'm talking about enrichment, one of the things, the questions I ask is, you know, who do you think does the enriching? And it's everyone that comes in contact. And I think it's the same situation with training. Everyone that comes in contact with that animal, whether it be you know, on a very short basis, somebody that comes into the house. That's the other thing. You know, if you're working on a screaming behavior with with your bird and you've got company coming over, let them know that you're working on it. You know, they they may think you're being silly because it's fun because they don't have to live with that screaming all the time. But let them know what you're doing so that they're not reinforcing that screaming and, and kind of throwing what you're doing out the window. Well, I have to say it is a, a level of awareness. You know, my own parrot, Tara, had that screaming behavior problem way back when, when I first got him, and I didn't know any better, and I reinforced him for screaming for attention. And um, and it's now really, you know, it's, gosh, it's, you know, I've had him 21 years now, so it's probably about been about 20 years now since I first started addressing that behavior. Mm-hmm. And it really only took a short time to fix it. It took about two weeks for me to get him to do something else to get my attention other than screaming. But I still think about it to this day. So if he's in the other room and he whistles to get my attention, oh, you bet I whistle back. And if I forget and he's been whistling quite a bit, he might revert back to a scream. Mm -hmm. But usually that's my reminder. I go, oh, he just screamed. I need to remember to reinforce him when he whistles. And I ignore him when he screams. And then he goes back to whistle. And then I'm able to reinforce him heavily for that. So he remembers, ah, yes, the whistling works and the screaming doesn't. So actually, we should get into that a little bit more detail. Mm -hmm. How how does that all work? So like we mentioned, you should get everybody in household on on the board with your training strategy. But one of your first steps you're going to try is to extinguish screaming. And what that means is you're going to stop reinforcing that behavior. So that means all that record keeping is really going to come in handy Mm -hmm. because you're one you're going to want to figure out what's reinforcing that behavior. What things are you doing or somebody else is doing that maintain that behavior? And your job is to stop doing those things. Stop reinforcing them. And uh, extinguishing just means that you're going to take that screaming 
back to the level it was before you reinforced it. It doesn't mean that screaming goes away forever because that is a form of communication Mm -hmm. for your parrot. Well, as we talked about, you know, the natural history and all that, it it is normal for them. And you may pick a time of day. I've worked with a lot of people um, who have said, you know, I let my parrot scream in the morning and at night. And so by doing that, they're allowing that opportunity, but it's not acceptable all day long. Right. And some screaming is necessary. Screaming for a fear response. You know, I want to know when something scary is happening outside the window, so I certainly don't mind if my bird screams in those situations. We're really only focusing on that that specific scream that happens when they're trying to get your attention. So we already talked about extinguishing it, but the other side to the coin is um, ignoring it alone isn't going to work. Okay, that that's pretty frustrating for your bird um, because remember his natural history. He wants to know where you are. Wants some kind of response. He's not perhaps comfortable being by himself and needs to know where his buddy is. So your job is to reinforce something else that will work. And that sound could be, or it could be a sound, something like a whistle or a word that your bird knows how to say. But it doesn't have to be a sound. It could be other things, like you could teach your bird to, you know, go touch a certain thing mm-hmm. or or even ring a bell or something like right. that, you know, whatever works for you. The bell could get annoying too, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah, it could. Well, and my parrot, Tara, as I mentioned, learned how to whistle in response um, or when he's looking to find out where I am. And I have a, a little sample of that so you can hear what it sounds like. And you'll hear me whistling way far away in the background, and that's that's my bird whistling right back. So he does this all the time now. He's actually replaced screaming with whistling, even when he's just sort of feeling kind of happy. And we talked about like that morning screaming that Mm -hmm. might happen. He actually has replaced that with the whistle. That's great. Yeah. So I kind of like that. So now when I hear my bird whistling, I I listen for, is he whistling to see if I'll respond? Or is he just kind of going off on his random whistles and having a good time making some noises? And you can tell the difference. That's something, you know, piece of the being aware that you can tell the difference between a, okay, where's Barbara or... I'm just kind of hanging out whistling. Yeah, and he has this one whistle, too, where he kind of goes, which I kind of call his little question mark, kind of going, where are you? (laughs) (laughs) He has another sound, too, that I call Pac-Man dying, and that's a good one when I can't whistle back to him. So it sounds like this. He goes, (laughs) I can do that one back, too. So uh, it, it does work, as I mentioned. Now, a couple other things to keep in mind when you're trying to address the screaming uh, problem. That extinction process can be really frustrating as well um, because what happens is parrots go through, and, and all animals do this with extinguishing a behavior, they go through what's called an extinction burst. And that means doing the scream has worked in the past. So they're going to try, and they're going to try, and then they're going to try harder and harder and harder. And that may mean screaming a little louder or a little more incessantly. And that can be really super frustrating. And we have a tendency to want to just run back in the room because it's getting worse instead of getting better. But the moment that you run back in the room when they're screaming extra hard like that, you've just reinforced that extra effort. Right. 
So you really need to uh, keep in mind that that's when you have to be real strong and not run in the room and reinforce that behavior. So to me, it's sort of a good sign. It kind of means that, ooh, maybe we're getting there. The end is near. And, and of course, during that extinction burst, you're hoping that maybe he'll throw out a different behavior like a whistle or something like that or, or a word that you can reinforce and teach him that something else is going to work. Well, I think we probably need to take a little break right now. Okay. So uh, let's do that, and we'll come back with some more uh, suggestions to help you address the screaming for a behavior problem. Okay. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Schwofi on Pet Life Radio. All right, so we left off talking about some suggestions to help you address screaming for attention. Now, we do have some more. Um, One of the things we want to keep in mind is that we already talked about how every interaction with your bird is basically a a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's a a training session in a sense. So keep in mind that um, when you leave the room and your bird starts screaming, it's really a training opportunity for you. So what you might want to do is prepare something that you can do or work on that's a quiet activity that you can do in another room when you know your parrot's likely to scream when you leave the room. Because again, your goal is to be nice and quiet so that you don't reinforce that undesired behavior. I think one of the things we deal with too is that a lot of times when these behaviors are occurring, it's when you're going to go to work or when you're getting ready to leave. And so it's like, oh, you know, I really don't have time to address that. I'm just going to leave it alone and, and I'll just leave and that'll be fine. Well, you left this bird now that's screaming, and you didn't come back, and so, you know, there was nothing, even if the bird stopped screaming, there was no one there to reinforce the stopping screaming, or the quiet time, or the whistle, you know, so you just need to be aware, and it's tough to do, we all have such busy schedules, but if you can make, plan that time, so that, you know, when this is happening, you have a little bit of time to use those training opportunities. Um, I know for me, with our bird, when I leave the room, when we, we were it doesn't happen anymore, thank goodness, but he was screaming. He, it wasn't a, a full-blown scream. It was just a everything that he was, all the noises he was making were getting a little bit louder and a little bit louder, and it was generally when my hand hit the doorknob. And so, I, you know, initially I would turn around and say, oh, it's okay, I'll be right back. And then I realized, okay, now I'm reinforcing that louder. He's getting a response from me every time he gets louder. And my son was doing that. My son wanted to run right over and, you know, tell him, it's okay, it's all right, I'll be back. I'm, not, I'm just leaving, I'll be back. 
And so now, you know, we talked about it. And now what happens is when it's time to leave, you know, you're going out the door. And if he's being quiet, when you get to that doorknob, you say, I'll be right back. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, going out, I'll, I'll be back soon. And so he's, it's not, there isn't that urgency, that, that scream like, oh, you know, you're leaving me alone. They're getting that response, but he's getting it for being quiet. Right, exactly. You want to reinforce the behavior you want, not the right. one you don't want. And another thing you can do to help with that situation is uh, set yourself up for success. Like in one of my situations, I was working with a bird that had a pretty um, difficult screaming behavior problem, screaming for attention. But I, I was told that she liked to be covered at night when she slept. Not not all birds um, mm-hmm. are comfortable with that. This one was. And that actually worked out really well for me because what I was finding is if I uncovered her first in the morning and then went about my normal activities and she went into that screaming behavior mode, it was really challenging for me to get anything done, like prepare my bird diets or mm-hmm. you know take a shower. And I, and I would get really frustrated because I was like, oh, I can't do it right now. Like you're saying, when you're getting ready to go to work, it's like, oh, I can't deal with this right now. So what I decided to do was I'm going to go ahead and leave her covered while I'm doing all those morning activities and it worked out really well. She was nice and quiet and when I was ready to Mm -hmm. have that training session I would uncover that cage and now I was in a better state of mind and it wasn't this you know nagging thing of oh god I can't get anything Mm -hmm. done or I can't get out the door or whatever. It was like okay now we're ready to train we're ready to deal with this you know I've already dealt with all the important stuff. So you can definitely set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. That, That was happening at our house too. The morning rush was a problem you know, we'd run in, get the bowl to, to do the, the diet and then run back in, put it in and be like, oh, got to go by, you know. And so what we've done now is we pull the fresh fruit food bowl and at nighttime, you know, and, and we throw it through the dishwasher, of course. And then the next morning it's there and I can do the diet, get it ready and then have some time to spend after we've given it, you know, to Nikki to make sure that it's not that big throw and go kind of kind of reaction that you're you're giving them. Right. Yeah, and um, I especially think that whole thing about trying to do something right before you're out the door for whatever activity you've got to go to is a really challenging time to address those behavior problems. But as we said, pretty much every interaction is a training one. So you might, what you might do is in that moment when you know you're trying to head out the door, like you did with Nikki, you mm-hmm. wait, you wait for. Okay, did he give me a little silence? Oh, he did. Okay, I'm going to reinforce that, right. and then go about what you need to do. And sometimes it's just that that second extra of silence. You know, it's a very small approximation. It doesn't have to be. Okay, he was quiet for five minutes. Right, right. And a really important part of that is that we want this new behavior, whether it's silence or a word or a sound that he does or a different activity, to get a lot more attention than that old screaming behavior. In fact, we want it to get like 20 times more attention than the screaming behavior. So he learns that, wow, whenever I do this, this gets me way more of what I want than this other behavior. So that's a really important element to add too. So another thing you can do too, we talked a little bit about reinforcing silence. That's a, It's a little bit tougher because that's basically sort of a non-behavior. Right. Whereas, you know, when, when there's something else they can do, that's pretty easy to say, oh, that's what you reinforce. But you can um, reinforce intervals of silence too. And sometimes people say, well, my bird's never quiet. He never shuts up. But in reality, those intervals can be really tiny. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, you know, I keep going back to natural history. There are some birds that chatter continuously in the wild. It, it, they're all about, you know, when they're foraging, when they're 
flying. A lot of times in flight, birds will chatter back and forth to each other or that general calling um, back and forth. It, it is. It's just part of, of being a bird. You know, being a parrot is that you've got that constant chatter going on. So you're right. The, the intervals may be teeny tiny. But it's a start, and you right. can reinforce that little tiny interval, even if it's a second or two, and then you can gradually add some uh, increased time duration between mm-hmm. those intervals that you're going to reinforce. You can even provide something as that reinforcer that for that short interval that will prolong the interval itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds kind of convoluted, but what I'm saying is that if you give them, you know, your bird a, a, an enrichment um, item, it may be something that then they're busy with the enrichment item. So, you know, we're not we're not doing that screaming behavior and that either silence or, you know, being quiet or being making, you know, happy, quiet sounds gets a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a couple other tips to add to that. If your bird um, has really still has that strong screaming behavior, and some people even have it that maybe they're in the same room with the bird, and the bird's looking at them, screaming at them, you can even leave the room. So, But you want to time it with with exactly when the moment the bird screams. So if you're in the room and the bird screams at you, just get up and go out of the room. The bird's quiet, come back into the room. The bird screams, you go right back out. Your timing's really important. You want your you're leaving the room to be paired with the moment that bird screams, and you want your return to the bird to happen when that bird presents other behavior that's acceptable, whether that's that interval of silence or that other sound or activity that you like. You, you can almost liken that to a remote control on your TV, yeah. that when you push the button, you expect the TV to come on right then. If it waited you know, three or four or five seconds after you press the button, you'd be like, oh, my remote's broken, or you wouldn't understand why it wasn't happening. And so for your bird, well, why is she leaving now? You know, it needs to be right when that screaming happens. Yeah, that's, that's been shown by research, too, mm-hmm. that that timing is really critical. So one thing to keep in mind is even though this behavior is really, really frustrating, you really can fix it. And so when you're in those moments where you're just like, ah, I can't take it anymore, and I'm ready to give up my bird for adoption, try to remind yourself that you really can get there. Mm-hmm. The strategy does work. Now we have um, some other tips, too, that can help you out with this behavior. Um, a really great one is to think about, uh, Robin mentioned a little bit before, about extending the duration that your bird might be doing another activity. Mm-hmm. But um, I've used that type of activity in a different way, too. If I am at the point where I really can't focus on a training session, but I want my bird um, to not start screaming, like say we're in the same room and I'm getting ready to leave the room and I think, oh shoot, if I leave the room, he's going to scream. What I do is while that bird's still quiet, I pull out enrichment items. Ta-da! Yay. And, and it's true because that enrichment, it's, I hate to call it busy work, but, but sometimes that's how you have to think about it. You know, it's that you're reinforcing that quiet behavior with an enrichment item and it's it's giving them something to do. So if they're focused on an enrichment, whether it be, you know, a toy that they're chewing up with or, you know, some other form of enrichment, they're not they're not focusing on that screaming or they're not focusing on you leaving. And, you know, enrichment comes in so many different forms and auditory is is a really important form of enrichment. Um, one of the things you can do is is work with natural sounds. You know, there's there are pros and cons in this. A lot of people say, well, if you're playing natural bird songs um, for your bird, you know, of the same species bird songs, they they won't talk. Um, this, you is know, that, do, do you think that's really true? I don't personally. I, I know there either. are people that strongly <laughs> adhere to that. Um, that oh no no no, I never you know put, play another bird song because my bird will, won't talk. They'll just well, and I've heard like people say, don't whistle at your cockatiel because he'll never learn to do anything else but whistle. Right. I I don't know that I I 
think that's really I, true. I don't think that's true. I mean, you know, Mike Haik talks and and minimally right now because he's young, but he does talk and he, he whistles back and forth. He and my dad go back and forth all the time whistling to one another, but he does both. Yeah. You know, and I think it it's, you know, what do you grow up with? You know, yeah, you're offering yeah. an array of sounds. You're offering in, natural sounds, unnatural sounds. The Internet can be a wonderful source for um, options for you for na- both natural and unnatural sounds. Um, you can get almost any bird song that you want online. There's also a device um, that I'm really fond of called the Identifier. Right now they don't have parrot sounds um, I'm trying to convince the owner of that company that he needs to do it but there are you know different bird sounds whether they be birds of prey or songbirds and there are just some sounds from nature that you can play there are frog sounds um, so you know it's really interesting we were doing a workshop in Holland a few months ago and there were some parrots there and I had the identifier and I pl- played a hawk sound well none of these birds had ever experienced a hawk before but th- it immediately elicited a response you know, so you're you're offering them that auditory option, and it's a little bit different. And so maybe you offer those sounds at at times when they're not screaming, and there's something that they can replace that with. Doesn't uh, I think Polyvision is another one of those uh, items that it's not- very good. It promotes it's a DVD, and it's visual as well as auditory, and it it offers some enrichment for the animals. You know, you can put that TV on and slip in Polyvision. It's like a babysitter. Oh, <gasps> did I say that? <laughs> um, is- and, and is that through World Parrot Trust? It is that? through World yeah. Parrot Trust. Um, I think you can get it on their website. I think you can, um, too. You know, and unnatural sounds, too. You know, I, I talk a lot, and I'm sure over the upcoming weeks you'll hear me talk about stress um, and is it enriching. Um, unnatural sounds. These things do occur. You know, the fire engine going by outside, the you know, the vacuum cleaner, loud noises. They do happen, and you can play those for your birds and, and do some desensitization. And also, you know, it is enriching. A little bit of stress is natural. Well, I was going to say, I know some parrots that love the sound of the vacuum cleaner. They think it's like, and some say that uh, their birds will start taking a bath when they hear the vacuum cleaner. Like it sounds Ooh. like like rain or something to it's them. It's a clean thing. I the vac- yeah, the yeah, bath. Yeah, they want to be clean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I think, you know, you can play a variety of different sounds and offer those to your, to your bird as a form of enrichment. And maybe you reinforce them not screaming because they're listening at this point. You know, they may respond to some of these sounds, but they are listening. And sometimes, you know, you can they'll just listen quietly, and that may be, you know, what you're looking for. The other thing you can do is, is offer them visual stimuli as enrichment. Consider where their perches are. You know, change those perches up. Do a little bit of, of enrichment with, with placement of perching. And then you can see, you know, they can see different things. And if the some of that screaming behavior is fear from fear as a fear response and not just from the attention um they may be looking at something else or you may be offering them a whole new view on life you know it's hoo-hoo. i always tell people if you can fit inside your bird's cage get in and see what they're looking at <laughs> you know if you were sitting on that perch what are you looking at and think about you know about the way that impacts how they behave so there are so many different enrichment items that you can offer and enrichment opportunities. You know, foraging. If your bird's actively engaged in foraging, chances are they're not going to be screaming. There may be that little chattering. There may be some calling back and forth. But, you know, you put some seeds in your mouth and, and try to try to <laughs> scream. It doesn't work very well. You know, so offering them other things. And I hate, like I said, I hate to call it busy work, but 
but that may just be what it is. Well, and we know that a lot of that stuff, that foraging activity is what they'd be spending a lot of their time doing out in the wild. So sometimes what ends up happening is they need to fill that time if they're not doing those activities with other things. And it might be things like demanding your attention. Right. And you're kind of turning that demand to a different focus. You know, you're providing them something else that they can focus on instead of she's leaving, you know, Mm -hmm. or I want this attention right now. Well, those are some of our suggestions, and we're going to have some more resources for you, too, to give you some more ideas on what to do about screaming for attention behavior. But I think now we'd like to tell you about some events we have on the calendar. We would. Um, on June 28th, I'll be at the Southwestern Virginia Bird Club. It's their 14th annual bird fair in Roanoke, Virginia, and I'll be speaking on enriching your parrots' lives and foraging for the future. Hey, perfect topic, huh? Yes. Uh, In July, July 4th through 6th, I'm going to be in Brisbane, Australia at the Parrot Society of Australia Conference. Um, We'll have, there's some great speakers there, Dr. Susan Friedman, Dr. Donald Brightsmith. Um, We've got some uh, uh, international speakers, I mean, people from Australia as well as the rest of the, the world. So that's a great conference coming up. That sounds exciting. And on July 19th, the Long Island Parrot Society is presenting the South American Parrot Conference in Babylon, New York. You can check out their website, which I'll give you you know, in the resource section. Um, but you can check out Long Island Parrot Society, and they're going to have speakers. Um, I know Sally Blanchard's going to be there, some veterinarians from their area, and they're going to be talking about um, South American parrots and all different topics related to that subject. Mm, a very specific focus it this is. time. So July 26th, I'll be in... In Cincinnati, Ohio, teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop, and that's hosted by the Greater Cincinnati Bird Club and the Avian Education Rescue and Adoption Services in that area. And then on August 7th, I'll be back home in Austin, Texas, teaching a shorter seminar, three hours or two to three hours on solving parrot behavior problems. And from August 11th to the 14th, both Barbara and I will be at the Association of Avian Veterinarians annual conference in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Barb's going to be doing a wet lab and a master class, and she'll be available at her vendor booth. I'm presenting on Sunday as part of the Avian Behavior and Enrichment Program. For more information on that, you can visit um, aav.org. Uh, Up in October, we have a uh, Parrot Behavior and Learning Workshop for Veterinary Professionals. This is a real hands-on event, and this is October 3rd through 5th. It's hosted by the Gabriel Foundation, and you can visit their website at thegabrielfoundation.org for more information on that event. We've got some more coming up, too. October 11th, um, Long Island Parrot Society presents Parrot Expo 2008 from 9 to 5. That's in Freeport, um, New York, and I'll be speaking on Enriching Your Parrot's Lives. Then in November, we've got a really special event planned for you. Both Robin and I are going to be in Austin, Texas. We're doing a parrot training and enrichment weekend. It's a day and a half seminar on uh, training and enrichment. Very uh, very fun seminar. We're really excited about it. The dates are November 8th and 9th. And Austin's a nice place to visit that time of year. It's very, very comfortable. There we go. So get warm in Texas in November. Um, and then... I, like I said, I know it's a long way off. I said this in our last um, cast, but May 29th to the 31st, 2009, um, Barbara and I are hosting the Best Parrot Conference in Edison, New Jersey. And BEST stands for Behavior, Enrichment, Science, and Training. And we have a great list of speakers. We've got Dr. Susan Friedman. Barbara and I will both be speaking. Joanna Eccles from World Parrot Trust. 
um, and Dr. Daryl Stiles um, will be there hopefully. From USDA. From USDA. So we have a number of speakers and we're also going to be doing a lot of hands-on work in workshops um, and there's going to be a children's component at that oh, conference yeah. as well. So those young people in your house that, that interact with your birds all the time, um, there's going to be a component dedicated just to them where they can learn about how to take care of their birds. It's going to be a very unique event and we certainly hope you'll mark your calendars now so we'll see you there next year. And hopefully sometime this week you should be able to check on the website. It's the best www.bestparrotconference.com. Great. Some websites we'd like you to look at. Um, the Long Island Parrot Society is it's liparrotsociety.org. And of course you can visit our websites, minesgoodbirdinc.com. And theleatherelves.com. And then we also have some resources for you that can help you with some of your behavior problems, especially the screaming behavior one. One of our favorites is the step-by-step -step resolution of behavior problems, and this is done through a Yahoo group called Parrot Bass. That's parrot and then the letters B-A-S. And you can find that at yahoogroups.com. They're focused on solving behavior problems, but it's not so um, it's not so much chat like you have in typical Yahoo groups. It's got a very structured format, and you follow the steps, and you have someone there who guides you through the process to help you address your behavior problems. That's a really great resource and it's free. You might have to wait in line though because I know <laughs> a lot of people have behavior problems they're trying to address, but it's, it's a good resource for it's you. It's worth checking out. It really is. I mentioned the Identifier earlier. It's the Birdsong Player. Um, that is available online at identifier.com. And then I have a couple articles on my website that talk about uh, screaming behavior problems specifically. One is called the S-File Addresses Loud Repetitive Vocalizations, and S-File stands for Success Files, and that comes from those folks who work on the Parrot Bass uh, Yahoo group, and you can find that at goodbirdinc.com and then click on Digital Media. And then there's another one on there um, called Wow, That Bird Sure Can Scream, and that really details my experiences with Tara and Misty, and that one's posted for free on my blog spot. Um, it's goodbirdinc.blogspot.com. And then one more um, really good resource for you is an article by Dr. Susan Friedman called The Facts About Punishment, and that one is really relevant to the screaming behavior problem because often our first idea for addressing that problem is to punish it and this tells you a little bit more about why that's not really uh, the direction we want to go especially that aversive punishment you know, such as screaming and yelling back at your bird or maybe you know spraying it with water things like that that article can be found at the gabrielfoundation.org um, you can also go to dr susan friedman's site for the direct link to her site is behaviorworks.org all right and so Finally, we have the enrichment tip of the week. My tip for this week is that offering auditory enrichment at various intervals keeps it enriching and not routine. It's that if you heard the same thing over and over again every day at the same time, it would become boring. So try to offer that, that auditory enrichment um, at various times of the day. And my training tip of the week is something we already touched on. And my tip is that you should be aware that every interaction you have with your bird can be teaching it something. You'll want to adjust your actions moment by moment when working with your bird to facilitate the desired behavior. I think we're about out of time. We are, and just some of the upcoming topics we were thinking about are, again, flight training pros and cons, training and enriching the sedentary parrot, finding reinforcers and creative forms of enrichment for your bird, and feather destructive behavior. <gasps> Help! <laughs> Another behavior problem. Yay. So if you want to contact us with suggestions or questions, you can reach us at robin at petliferadio.com or barbara at petliferadio.com. If you'd like transcripts of this show, um, please visit petliferadio.com. All right. I think we're done for today. I think that's it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.